Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, James Woodham. And I'm your co-host, Juliet. Juliet has a decade of architectural experience in the US. And James has completed over 250 home renovations in the UK. Together, James and I have over 35 years experience designing and building homes. This podcast was created to give you, the homeowner, the power and the knowledge to get your project done right, on time, and with quality workmanship. We've been going for just over a year now, and we have over 50 episodes for you to listen and absorb all the information from key experts in the industry. That's right. We've spoken to industry leaders, builders, architects, and the best part of what we do is hear from you, the homeowner, what went right and what went wrong. We really hope you like listening to this podcast. And if you do, please leave us a review. Reviews expose us to more listeners, which in turn means we can help more homeowners save money and avoid the chance of things going wrong. With that said, let's get into today's show. Hey everyone, this is Juliet, your co-host for the Property Renovation Podcast. This week I speak to Leo Katie Ames, who's an interior designer, and we talk all about kid-friendly design. Talk about space planning, finishes, and all sorts of other tips for having your home be kid-friendly. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please visit us and join our Facebook group. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Property Renovation Podcast. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Property Renovation Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to Leo Katie Ames. She is a senior concept store designer for Starbucks, and she works in the Global Design and Innovation Division. And before she did that, she worked in architecture and Hyatt Residential for about 10 years. And so besides all this wealth of professional experience that she has, she also has personal experience doing three remodels one remodel without kids and two remodels with kids. And so welcome to the podcast, Leo, Katie. Hi. Thank you. So you have, obviously you have three kids, fairly young. They're all under the age of 10. Yes. And um, so you, and you did one, as we mentioned, you did one remodel before you had kids. So the second time that you did the remodel, how was that different? So um, the second time, my daughter was very really young. She was only three months when we started remodeling. So we didn't really know what we were getting into. Uh, a big one was about like the levels. Uh, we did have two levels. So, mm-hmm. you know, as a, the kids start to crawl and everything, you kind of have to think what to do um, with like getting gates. Um, also like the railing were not uh, properly spaced out. So she could get her head down like right. in between. So we had to get those uh, redone so she wouldn't fall through the, the railing basically. Was it an old uh, one? It was uh, built in the seventies. Okay. So somewhat, but residential, you know, you always get interesting things. <laughs> you get creative, quote unquote, yeah. to things. Exactly. Um, one, I mean, in terms of finishes, uh, we did, we did do hardwood floor, uh, in the bottom of the house, but we kept carpet in the bedrooms. Um, you know, I know some people like to do hardwood floor, but for us, especially with a crawling baby, it's better to have carpet. Um, you know, for the knees and things. I mean, it, it could be bad for allergies. Uh, so we have to make sure that we steam everything. So um, <clears throat> especially if we're not replacing the carpet, uh, using a steamer, kind of getting everything uh, clean um, out of all the, the things that were in there before. 
Um, and then same with the stairs. We actually kept the carpet on the stairs so they wouldn't, she wouldn't fall or hurt herself. Okay. In terms of the stairs, how, in terms of like safety and those concerns with the young kids, how big of a difference is it between like the built-in sort of carpeting and just having a runner? Uh, I think it's the same. We just had a runner. So yeah. Okay. Um, as long as, I mean, when they get older, it's different. Also, you you have some carpet that uh, that are thick, and it's not good for stairs um, because you can trip easily. Uh, so you just have to have something that's a little more like just just get it um, enough rubber so you don't fall. Got it. So in terms of carpets, I know there's um, there's a whole world of carpets out there. There mm-hmm. are full. There's cotton. There's synthetic. There's blends. There's all the different lengths of pile. What should we be like, what should parents or expectant parents sort of be considering in terms of materials and finishes with kids in mind? I mean, for residential, it's, they're all pretty, pretty good. I mean, if you have a lot of traffic, like you would get something that's, you know, more high and tra- uh, high traffic, but um, in terms of residential, like it will wear a little more, but uh, most people replace their carpet after 10 years, five to 10 years. Um, so I would say this is really up, like for preference. Okay. So it's not a big, necessarily big deal if you choose a synthetic over a wool blend or something. No. And I mean, again, like for staining and things like, like wool will obviously be a little bit more, uh, need more maintenance than a synthetic carpet. Got it. So what, what other things did you have to do in your um, two remodels with kids that you didn't have to do when you remodeled without kids? I mean, there's all this sort of typical baby proofing in terms of covering outlets and, you know, keeping your cabinet safe and everything. But what, what other things would you, did you start to think about that you didn't in the first one? Um, yeah. I mean, I think you, you mentioned uh, covering the outlets. That's pretty typical. The, the cabinetry, we, we really didn't want to see anything. So we did it a little bit differently when we did the one that's inside the cabinet. So you need a key. Uh, so you, you don't see them. It just looks nice. Except instead of having all those weird thing in front of right. cabinetry. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing about those is that you have, you have to drill through your cabinet. So if you don't want to drill through your cabinet, then you can't do that. But um, yeah, I mean, we did that. The furniture, like um, we, we did have a glass table that broke. I told you that before. Oh no. Um, how did, I forget the story. How, how did it break? So our daughter was, she was a little bit older. She could walk and she just ran into the glass table and broke the corner. So uh, anything sharp, um, like corners, glass, I would just don't recommend having that. I would just say go with wood or, or maybe metal uh, for tables. Um, same with the furniture, like sofa seating, um, Leather is definitely going to be better uh, than having a fabric on the sofa just for stains. Like things fails all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Like maybe uh, like the cabinetry, anything I would say before we didn't really worry about anything cantilever, anything that's um, going to have cabinetry low that the kids can reach. Um, not a good idea. <laughs> so cantilever, so, like built-ins that sort of float above the wall, that becomes a problem? Yeah, especially when they start like the toddler years, when they start to want to pull on furniture. Uh, so that, that can essentially come out of the walls. Okay. Um, same in the bathroom. We have, uh, we have cantilever, uh, cabinets in the rest, in the, in our bathrooms. And one of them is kind of falling off. So we have to, uh, to get it fixed. Wow. 
Yeah, see, things I never would have even Yeah. <laughs> uh, sofa heights also, like, um, which is interesting because we used to have a, a sofa that was a little taller and then we have more of a, um, now uh, we have something that's a little bit lower, uh, more European style. And uh, the little one just climb on it all the time when before the, the other one couldn't do that. Mm. Um, so yeah, he fell off the couch a few times, like trying to run and because it's slower. Oh, I see. So in terms of um, what about, so we talked a bit about carpets and the different materials available. Mm-hmm. So, and we mentioned again with the sofas, you said that leather is easier to clean, a bit more stain proof, but for mm-hmm. someone who really just either they like the feel or they're just, they like fabric um, sofas and other upholstered furniture, how, again, it's a whole other world. It's a whole world of fabrics and choices. So how, right. how can we start to navigate what, is or it might not be a good choice because there's also um some manufacturers will give you the double rub count can you kind Mm -hmm. of introduce us to what like what are all these technical specs for fabric what do they mean and how how do we start to know which is good right i mean the double rub is really for like people sitting so it's not going to help with staining uh but they do have some um some protection that you can put on uh mostly for uh for um co- commercial grades but you you can find some of them uh, uh some felts uh that are um good now uh obviously you're not going to use vinyl in your house so they, they just have certain protection they can put on um to help with that on and like all there's fabrics, also like they can put on them. all fabrics yeah on, on okay. most of them um and and also there's they, they, they is certain products you can use right away to get rid of the stain if you leave it in there, obviously it's not right. going to be good. Right. So what about, um, do you have any opinions sort of on having young kids and having, cause a lot of times you see these beautiful homes or beautiful sitting rooms mm-hmm. and they have, you know, the white sofa. <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there a way to sort of integrate that aesthetic or something similar to it, you know, with light grays or topes or whatever? Into yeah. Kid proof home. No, absolutely. I, and I would say, like, my house is all white. So, um, the, so we used to have a white sofa that was leather and it, it got dirty. So the good thing with leather is that you can just rub it and with specific products and then it gets back to white. For upholstery, you, you most likely will have to get somebody to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, come in, clean it, just like carpet, uh, every now and then, but it's definitely going to show more stains than a, than a leather would. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just, just like anything, if there's touch up, you just clean it. White is actually really easy because you have those, uh, the magic, um, um, what are they called? Oh, the that? magic eraser? Yeah. So uh, you yes. can just use it on anything, uh, counter walls. Like it's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. So, and so speaking of walls, um, have you, have your kids ever taken to the walls and start drawing on them? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so pens, anything. So how, in terms of, let, let's talk about paint then and what goes on the wall. How do you choose a specific finish or, um, how do we I mean, I personally like eggshell. Like I don't like anything really too shiny. So I think, you know, don't obviously don't use flat because it's right. going to show everything. Uh, so eggshell or, or satin would be fine. Um, and yeah, if, if somebody draw on the walls. Uh, if it's white, you can use the magic eraser. If it's painted, most likely you'll have to repaint or just touch it up with water. Sometimes it comes off. It really depends on what you use, but if, uh, if they're markers or 
something more permanent, you definitely have to repaint. <laughs> what about, um, have you used or in your um, other clients or friends' homes, have you seen like the whiteboard paint or the chalkboard paint application? Yeah. Large scale? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I've used that. This is great, great product. Um, I've, yeah, I've, uh, I've used both the chalk, the chalk and, uh, and the, uh, dry race paint. I think the dry race is a little better because the chalk sometimes runs, uh, runs out of the chalk. So you have to resurface it. Ah, uh, okay. Um, versus the dry race, as long as you use the right product, uh, right, um, markers and, and such, it's, it's much more durable. Right. I've used, um, the chalkboard paint and then I actually found it very hard to, I mean, it's fun to draw on, but then trying to get it back to like a pristine state to start like, mm-hmm. like it was so hard to get back to sort of that clean slate is, and it seems like the dry erase paint is a bit easier to get, to sort of get back to that pristine finish and start all over again. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. And you can use any color as well, which is a, uh, with a uh, marker color, with a marker. That's true. I didn't even think about that because I've only seen it actually installed as white. Yeah, you can do any color. Uh, there's certain manufacturer that, that do it with, with specific color, but, um, there's one, I think it's Wolf Garden. They do, um, they do all colors. Oh, wow. Awesome. So moving away from sort of these smaller, uh, more, I guess, micro issues in terms of like, like finishes, fabrics, what about Mm -hmm. large scale sort of space planning? Like when you, did you move any walls when you remodeled your homes with kids? Yeah, we, we did a lot. Um, we actually, uh, we did an entire basement, uh, made bedrooms, uh, added bathrooms, uh, yeah, walls. <laughs> yeah. So how did your, the way you thought spatially in terms of laying out space and even, um, sight lines, you know, what you can see from sitting, you know, in one room looking across, how did your changing think? I mean, how did your, how'd your thinking change? So I personally like open floor plans. So one big thing we wanted is open up the kitchen. That's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it the kitchen bigger. Uh, so there's more room. Um, but when we do that, we also have to be careful about the access because the kids can access any areas also. So you have to be able to block it off um, somehow right? <laughs> or, or close your cabinetry. But uh, there, there has to be something um, so they can reach uh, certain areas. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to be able to see them, especially in in uh when you're in the kitchen or in when they're around a uh, family room or thing like that right i've always in the homes that we design it i always find it's there's always a bit of a struggle because you want some special separation of space and you want you want everything mm-hmm. to flow obviously but you to get there's that fine balance in terms of getting enough separation so that spaces feel distinct and so you can switch maybe from a more casual space to a more formal space mm-hmm. but then but also when you have young kids you want to be able to see them <laughs> yeah and you do want them to flow i mean if you have same with like if you have too many doors and things like that then you know they can hurt their fingers so then you have to add certain things on your door which is not very attractive so um yeah i think it's more like i i think for me it's more of a personal preference like i don't like closed off spaces so i prefer when they open um, just cause I like, I feel it feels bigger. Um, and, and you see everybody. So it's kind of nice. So what about, um, a lot of times I find that we're building very specific activity areas for kids. And then I think that that, 
those activities, they obviously change as kids grow up, you know, and they, they grow up mm-hmm. quickly, especially if you think about how long you're going to live in a house or how permanent all these installations are. Like a lot of times, like more recently, we've been getting requests for a very specific homework area in the kitchen, sort of toward to integrate it. So the kids can be there doing their homework, but they're not necessarily at the kitchen island where the mom mm-hmm. is cooking. Right. What do you think of these sort of very permanent solutions to kids? I think, um, yeah, I agree. It shouldn't, with anything that's permanent is probably not a good idea. Uh, it could just be like a multifunction area for, for like, for example. So it could be a desk or some kind of area that they can, they can draw. Even an adult can be, it can just be like a touchdown, basically. Uh, somebody can work on a computer or it can be the kids. Doesn't have to be necessarily just for that purpose. Um, same with like, um, family room. Um, I mean, it's not just going to be for toys. Uh, it needs to be kind of a multi space and, uh, maybe the kids can play video games or they can paint or they can do other things, but not, uh, and then the adult can also do other, like watch movies or, um, play games. So it's not just for, the little kids. <laughs> so speaking of toys, how, I mean, toy storage, I feel like is such a huge thing because it starts to take up space. And then also yes. you really, you definitely want the ability to put things away. So, you know, occasionally it can feel like an adult space. How do you mm-hmm. like to deal with storage? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I think, um, you know, f- for us, um, we, we try to have as much storage as possible. Um, kind of putting things in categories is sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. So it's good to have some categorized and maybe some that just random thing that can just go in a bin so you can clean it fast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it uh, definitely have to have some storage, especially with little ones like toddler, basically zero to five, because they're not going to put their toy back where they go. Um, so yeah, having some in some area in the living room, some area in the family rooms, some in the room, so they have some area that they can put their toys when they're done, basically. I've never, I mean, this is probably obvious to parents with kids, but since I'm not a parent with a child, <laughs> that's, it's just <laughs> obvious. I was like, so every place where your kid's probably going to play, you want to plan for storage, bedroom. Family. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, would you even have room in the kitchen? Just because I, just because people spend so much time in their kitchens. Yeah. And again, I think it depends on your space. So, um, cause I can see my living room and, and from the kitchen. So if it's there, then you can just bring it or whatever, uh, for the little one. <laughs> uh, they get older is more like Legos and things that are bigger. So that can be categorized. Uh, but that's so much, uh, especially if they really like those things. Right. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to ever have too much storage? Have you ever come across that? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Storage is almost like, it's pretty much 99.9% always a good thing. Can't have Yeah. Food. Oh, definitely. So what about, um, speaking of like kitchens and potential storage for, you know, kid specific things, is there anything else that um, you thought differently about your kitchen once you had kids? Uh, yeah, uh, like chemicals and, and things where we used to put that. So garbage, so they can really reach. Um, we used to have them in cabinetry, like low. So we just have either to lock or 
like now we kind of explaining that they're bad, but when they're little and they just go for like right. the poison, <laughs> right? <laughs> just uh, have to put it up somewhere. So maybe you know having a pantry or some or putting them higher instead of keeping them low, just for the time being, or locking it. Right, that makes complete sense. What about um, induction cooktops? Because I've had a number of clients wanting to use, like, very adamant, like, we want to use induction cooktops because of, um, you know, safety concerns and kids. But I, I've personally never used an induction cooktop. What's been your experience in terms of um, safety around stoves and things? So we had both. Uh, we have a, a gas stove now. Uh, and that was because of codes. Because we lived in Dallas, uh, Texas, and uh, you couldn't have... It was a townhome, so we couldn't, since it was considered a condo, we couldn't have uh, gas stoves. Ah, I see. So we had induction, and I mean, it was good. It just doesn't cook the same way. So I think, you know, for safety, I mean, it's the same. To me, like, they can get, if they can reach something, it's it's going to be as dangerous as having uh, the gas. Right. Because you can put caps and stuff on it, so. Right. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I know um, the big appeal of the induction cooktops, if you don't know what they are, is that they work off of the principle of electromagnetics, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. <laughs> and so you need to use um, a stainless steel that conducts the electricity and then heats up. That's how it heats up the food. It's not just fire and like raw transfer of heat in the same way. But what it, the thing is, is since it only transfers heat through the metal, Mm-hmm. You can't use certain, like like a copper pot, you can't use them on induction cooktops. So the appeal is that once you take off the pot, kids can put their hand literally on that induction top, like on the cap, like right exactly where the stove is, and they won't get burned. But yeah, I mean, it's still pretty warm. So again, if you true. put it, touch it for a little bit, it's okay. But if you're going to really put your hands like right <laughs> on it, it's going to hurt still. And I was, I also thought, like, I understand that and it's one less, I guess it's one less thing to worry about. And so that's always a good thing. But at the same time, if your kid's up there, like just reaching for the stove, even if they don't hit the stove, they could definitely knock the hot pot and like whatever hot liquid was. Oh yeah. In it. So it's not necessarily a, you know, Hey, get this and don't worry about anything. No. And they shouldn't be near it either. Like, I mean, obviously this is really dangerous. Uh, same with bath water. If you leave like the handle, for example, uh, they don't know that even older kids, like, I mean, they, they don't know that it's going to get really hot. Right. Uh, so making sure like the water doesn't reach a certain temperature so that they don't burn themselves. That's really important too. Definitely. Did you, um, you spoke a little bit about the, the cantilever sink in yes. your bathroom. Is there mm-hmm. anything else in the bathroom that you sort of plan for to make it kid friendly? Um, I mean, I think when they're really little, the glass doors, like if they bang on it, I mean, get, we should definitely use a tempered glass or sacred glass so it doesn't break. Um, you can still have it or just make sure it's something that's more solid. Uh, the toilets, uh, have to watch it. They, they can literally drown in the toilets when they're little. So, uh, they have some, I've never done it, but they, they do have some locks that you can put on. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the same with the door for like van- uh, uh, small uh, the s- small restroom. Um, you can put a lock on doors, and then they can get in. So that we have that one because definitely don't want to monitor him every five minutes. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and then, and then the water temperature, mm-hmm. which you can uh, go you can control usually by setting the max temperature at the actual 
water heater. Yeah, thank you. That would be on the boiler. You can do that. Um, uh, slip, run, slip resistance of the floor to the tile that you would select. Um, if it's something that's a little bit more shiny, that's going to be more like smooth and they can definitely fall more, uh, more easily than if it would be something uh, flat or matte. Has more rubber resistance. So, so a quick rule of thumb when we're looking at tile is sort of the shinier it is, the slipperier it is. Uh, yeah, usually glossy tile just yeah gonna be uh, more slippery. But if there, I mean, on the floor you, I mean, on marble like natural stone, if you use uh, you would use a honed stone versus using a polished stone. So anything that's yeah that's a little bit shiny uh, is gonna be more. Uh, uh, it's gonna uh, slip more easily than than not. Got it. And also shiny things. Not only are they more slippery, but they are magnets for fingerprints everywhere. True. Yes, <laughs> that too. So what about? Um, I think we talked about this a bit before, but in terms of getting very specific kids designs, but it's just because right now I'm designing this one big bunk room for this residence and there's so many built in bunks and I'm, I think they look great, but what's your opinion on them? Are they sort of suitable always because kids will grow older and then they'll have sleepovers or do you think it's sort of only, is it a very young kid sort of design feature? The bunk bed? No, I think, um, I mean, it, again, it depends on your space. So I think we have them because it saves space for us. Uh, but they do use it for sleepover. Like we have older kids, I mean, under 10, but, uh, they do sleepovers and we also have the trundle. So like they can, mm-hmm. you know, right. for birthday, we can have three or four kids sleep in the same room. So, I mean, yeah, definitely as they get older, probably not, maybe not when they're teenagers, like they kind of want their own space or they right. would maybe you want something else. But um, yeah, I think for a good amount of time, they'll be able to use it. I think um, bunk beds really, I mean, you know, Leo and I, we both live in the city and so space is always at Mm -hmm. premium. So when you can save space, like floor space and give that, you know, to play area, that seems pretty huge. Yes. Uh, The thing you have to be careful with a bunk bed. And I think uh, when they're little, the ladder is not the best. So they have some that come with like a big stairs. So when they're little, they can use a stair, like probably when they like started at three, I guess, when they get off out of the crib until probably six, that's pretty good. And then you can put the ladder. Got it. Are there any um, other sort of like big issues of, wow, I never thought about that until you saw your kid like, climbing up on something or pulling Um, on something. (laughs) I'm sure they've climbed on pretty much everything in your home, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like the sofa is a big one because it never happened with the two little one that we had. So it was only with our last kid. And I was like, Oh, how is he doing that? And then I realized that because of the height, uh, the windows are also, uh, in this house we, and now we have, uh, floor to ceiling windows. Um, so now that he's kind of understanding how to open the windows, mm. like, oh, no, what do we do? Because there's really not, not much we can do. So we have to lock them so he can't open them. Are there, um, any, um, are there any, like, sort of interior, like, shutters? Or is, is there any, like, interior finish sort of that we could 
put on them that sort of locks them? You could customize something. They're like custom windows. So there's, and they're very narrow. That's the problem. And so we can't put a gate in front of it. Um, so yeah, they have those things. You can lock the handles um, or you have to get somebody to custom make it um, something that only opens the window just a certain amount of, amount of, uh, of depth. But that's a big one because yeah, I can totally see him fall off the window. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, yeah. <laughs> I actually know someone who was, as a young kid, they fell off out of the third story window. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're fine. They're completely fine. It's just, I, I do joke with them being like, just imagine how much smarter you would be if you didn't fall when you were yep. one years old. But no, it does. The screens are not structural. They are not. No. Not keep your kids safe. No. And I said, you know, gate, I guess, you know, when you kind of see where they go and then, you know, oh, no, you don't want them to go there. Then we get more gates. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, cause you, you really can't see it happen so fast. Like we had, uh, the bathroom, like we didn't think any of it. And we have like bath bombs and other like little thing. And he opened a container. I couldn't even, I didn't even just, like see him doing it. Uh, and he was eating like, it's like a, Petals that you put in the bath. Mm. Um, apparently, it's bad for you, but he he survived. But um, right. um, yeah, just putting like something so he can uh, go in there. I never thought I've never put that much thought to locking cabinets, but now I will. Yeah, it it happens so fast. There's a thing you just don't realize it. Um, what and else? adding locks to cabinets um, is an easy. And then I guess if this right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I think um, it's just it's just hard because you have to like open it. So just only I would say just put the stuff that are, are the, you don't want the kids to reach in like, a couple of them. Then you don't have to lock all of it. Um, then uh, like the the if you have kids of different ages, um, you and especially the sharing rooms, you have different toys. So um, putting the toy that you don't want the little one to eat higher. Mm. or somewhere that he can access them, like Legos and like beads. Um, we have a son that loves Legos and a daughter that loves to make bracelets. So needles, um, and right. sewing stuff. So yeah, so just putting them so it can be, it's out of reach for the little one, but the older one can reach it. Are there sort of any other like new things that you started thinking about once you had multiple kids sharing the same space? Um, yeah, I mean, it was more like the toys, like, oh no, like the little one can literally reach everything. So we really had to rearrange, um, okay. a little bit. We, we actually added a gate in the bedroom so he couldn't access, uh, my, my oldest son's area, but then he figured out how to open the gate. So, <laughs> um, we had to put like rub some kind of rubber, like, uh, safety, like, um, safety thing on the gate so he couldn't open it. But it was kind of a pain. So I would say, yeah, just organize a space for both of them. And uh, so it's things that are higher that you don't want the little one, things that are lower that you can reach and hope for the best. <laughs> there you go. All right. Any, um, thank you so much for your time, but do you have any last words of advice for us? No, I think uh, just uh, breathe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Having, uh, obviously, yeah, everything, yeah, just organize and again, like, thing happen. So, you know, uh, as long as 
people are prepared. I, I think also like um, over um, uh, over baby say, uh, proofing the house is also not a good thing because you do want them to explore. So just kind of be smart about what obviously you want the plugs to be covered and and like the chemicals to be away, but maybe they can play with parts or other things. Right. All right, Leo, thank you so much for all of your advice and all of the um, tips that you gave us today. Yeah, no problem. If you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home, then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today.